Thanks, Rob and crew. If you would take your Bibles at this time and uh, your study sheets, if you've got one, um, it'll be good to have them out because uh, you are going to be getting an assignment today to work on in the next week, and it will involve your study sheet and, of course, your Bible. And so uh, it'll be good for you to follow along today. We've been talking about lies. Uh, we're in a series called Lies Christians Believe, and each week we're talking about a different lie that would fall in that category. Um, I want to say something about lies, and you probably know this, but there are intentional lies, lies that are intentionally told. In other words, the teller knows that what they are saying is false. But their purpose is to deceive you. Then there are what I'll call unintentional lies. They're still lies. They're untrue. But the teller really believes what they're saying is true. Because they have been deceived themselves. It's still a lie, still untrue, but they really believe it. And so when they're telling you these things, it's not with the motive to deceive you because they know they're saying something that's not true. I want to suggest that the lies that we have been looking at these weeks fall probably in the second category. Most people that would be speaking these things that we've been talking about probably believe them. They actually believe those things. Which means they've been deceived themselves into believing something that's untrue and then they pass it on. And so... uh, Just to review some of the lies that we've talked about, we talked about um, a lie concerning our heart, that we are to follow our hearts, let our hearts be our guide in our lives. That is not true. That is not found in Scripture. Uh, We talked about a lie concerning happiness that tells us that happiness is the ultimate pursuit in life. Your happiness, to be happy. Uh, That's not true. That's not found in Scripture. We talked about a lie concerning troubles. Uh, The lie says that uh, God will never give you anything you can't handle. That's not true. We've all had things come our way that we can't handle. And God allows that. Um, uh, That untruth is so common. But it's not in the Bible. It's not true. And then last week we talked about a lie concerning uh, our destiny, which says you are in control of your own destiny. You're in control of it. And that's not taught in Scripture. Today we're going to uh, talk about a fifth lie. And it's a lie about uh, what's called spiritual warfare. 
spiritual warfare. And uh, there's something that's being said out there about that, which sounds really good, but it's not true. Let's pray first. Our Father, we thank you for this day. It's been so good to worship you, to sing about the name of Jesus, to lift up Jesus, to offer praise to him. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation through Jesus. Thank you that you loved us, Father, so much that you sent Jesus. Thank you for his willingness to go to the cross. Thank you for changed lives as we have surrendered to Jesus in repentance and in humility. Father, we realize that because that's been our experience, we have an enemy. And Father, I pray that you would minister to us today truth from your word about this battle that we have with him. Teach us, challenge us, motivate us to get into your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As followers of uh, Jesus Christ, we have an enemy. And we're involved in a battle day after day. The enemy, of course, is called the devil. Satan. And in 1 Peter, that is stated very clearly in chapter 5, verse 8. Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's about as clear as you can get. Peter says to the Christians he's writing to, you have an enemy, and your enemy is called the devil. It's right there. And so because we have an enemy, we find ourselves in a battle. And this battle is real. Uh, Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 11. Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There is a battle. We have an enemy. He's real. The devil And his forces, his spiritual forces. And the battle is real. So how do we approach this battle? How do we respond to our enemy? How do we do battle against him? Well, there are voices out there that would answer that question. I want to read some of those answers that the different voices are suggesting. 
Here's a statement from a book called The Adversary. As a Christian, I am able to exercise my authority over Satan and the powers of evil. This authority has been given to me because of my union with Christ. Now just think about those words. My authority over Satan. My authority over Satan and the powers of evil that has been given to me because of my union with Christ. That person is saying that along with all the other wonderful things that come with salvation and my union with Christ is authority over Satan and his forces. Uh, A man named J.A. McMillan says this, The believer's authority is the inherent right of the child of God. Inherent right of the child of God. Because of his or her elevation with Christ to the right hand of the Father, he or she has become, through the mercy and grace of God, an occupant of the throne of the Lord, with all that it implies in privilege and responsibility. Wow. Did you hear that? This person is saying that the believer's authority over Satan and his forces is an inherent right as children of God because we have been elevated with Christ to the right hand of the Father and we are occupants of the throne of the Lord along with him. And all the privilege and responsibility and authority and power that go along with that. It's mine. It's quite a statement. And then you will have in in books like that instructions on how to use this authority, this power over the devil and his forces. And here's one of the instructions. Say to the devil or his forces, claiming my full authority over you, Through my union with the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you, and then whatever the command is. These voices are using words like rebuke the devil, command the devil and his forces, take authority over the devil and his forces, bind the devil. Those are the terms that are being used. And saying, we can do that if we are believers, because through our salvation we have been given authority and power over the enemy and his forces. Now that can be very appealing, can't it? That, that can be something that sounds pretty attractive. Uh, but it's not true. Think about this. If those teachings are true, if because of my relationship with Christ in my salvation, I have been given authority and power over Satan and his forces, that I can command him, bind him, rebuke him, and there are how many Christians in our world? 
Millions, safe to say. If that's true, and there are that many Christians in this world, why is Satan so active and effective? One Christian with that kind of power that they claim can bind him. Sure doesn't seem like that's happened, does it? So what I'm going to do today in just the next few minutes is, is I'm going to take you through an investigation I made on this subject as I looked at the different scriptures. And I'm just going to point out things that I found. There's scriptures on your sheet. And then I'm going to ask you, once I've pointed out what I found, to go check it out. I want That's your assignment. I want you to check it out. Take these scriptures Take what I'll pass on to you from my investigation and go check it out. All right? So the lie we're, we're talking about today, I'm sure you've gotten it already, is that Christians have authority and power over the devil and his forces. Why do I say that is untrue? Number one, the only ones with this kind of authority and power, besides Jesus. We all agree on that, right? Jesus had authority and power over Satan and his forces. We all agree on that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Who else has had or has that kind of power? Besides Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says uh, in verse 1, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons. So there very clearly it says that Jesus gave to his twelve, the twelve men who were following him, power and authority to drive out all demons. He gave them power and authority over those forces. We come to chapter 10 of Luke, verse 1. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two. And then when they come back, drop down to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. So by Jesus' own words there, he had given those 72 power and authority over the enemy. And his forces. We don't know who those 72 were. We're not told who they were. It was just 72 persons. But it's clear Jesus gave them, at that time, in that one instance, power and authority over the enemy. But those 72 are never mentioned again in the Gospels. It's like a one-time thing that Jesus gave this authority and power 
over the enemy to those 72. So we know that Jesus had that authority and power over the devil. We know that he gave the 12 power and authority over the devil. And we know at that one time he gave 72, whoever they were, power and authority over the devil. When we go into the book of Acts and the early days of the church, as you read through, the only people that you ever read about having power and authority over the devil and his forces are the apostles, Stephen, Philip, Paul. When you read through Acts, those are the ones that you you see record of them uh, having power and authority over the devil and his forces. That's it. Nobody else mentioned in the book of Acts having that that power and authority. And then get this, and if you really want to do your assignment, you can spend your time reading from Romans and on, and all the letters to the churches and to believers, and you won't find one teaching that says that power and authority has been given to any other believers. You just won't find it. And Romans and on is where the instructions are given to believers, to the churches. You won't find any teaching about this authority and power being given to any other believers than what's mentioned in the Gospels, in Luke there, and in Acts. Check it out. See what you find. The scriptures are here. And you'll probably find more. Number two, the devil is a fallen angel, as are his forces. And you have scriptures there on your sheet that points in that direction, I think. That the devil is actually an angel, and that he fell. Uh, That he decided he wanted to be God. He wanted to be on the throne. He rebelled, along with some other angels. But he's an angel, which means... The devil was created by God because you'll see scriptures on your sheet that say God created the angels and that the devil was an angel who fell, revolted. But what that means is that if God created the devil, that he's an angel, the creator is always greater than the creation, right? Creator, always greater than the creation. So if Satan is an angel that fell, that means he was created by God, which means God is greater than him. Check it out. Number three, you and I, As humans, we're created a little lower than the angels. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. 
Starting in verse 5. Hebrews 2, 5. The writer says, It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, and then he quotes from Psalm 8. And it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him, who? Man. A little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, man, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to him, to man. You and I, as human beings, were created a little lower than the angels. And we were created to have authority over creation, which would include what? Angels. But the writer says, that isn't reality yet. That hasn't happened yet. We don't have authority over angels. Check it out. Number four. Christians will judge angels, but not yet. First Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians six. In uh, addressing a a problem in the Corinthian church, uh, Paul asks a list of questions. But one, verse 3, do you not know that we will judge angels? Notice the word is will. Paul says, we will judge angels. There will be a time when we will be able to judge angels. But as the writer of Hebrews says, not yet. Right now we are a little lower than the angels. And Satan is a fallen angel. But right now we are lower than him. I don't know what you think, but I think he has more power than I do. I think Satan can do things I cannot do. I think his forces can do things I cannot do. They're angels. And I'm a human being. The day is coming when that won't be the case. But now it is. Check it out. Number five, even God's angels don't assume authority to rebuke the devil and his forces. <clears throat> Take a look at Second Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> Second Peter chapter 2. 
<clears throat> uh, here Peter is talking about uh, false teachers. And uh, verse 10, 2 Peter 2, 10. He says, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. He's talking about the false teachers. They're bold and arrogant. These men are not afraid to slander or rebuke celestial beings. These false teachers assume they have authority to rebuke celestial beings. Verse 11, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful than those men, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. Peter says, even God's angels don't rebuke. Satan and his evil forces. They don't assume that authority. The book of Jude, just a few books over, right before Revelation. The book of Jude, verse 8. Again, Jude is talking about false teachers. In verse 8, he says, In the same way, these dreamers, referring to these false teachers, pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander or rebuke celestial beings, these false teachers. Verse 9, but even the archangel Michael, the top angel of God, even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Isn't that interesting? There apparently was a time when Moses died where there was an argument between uh, the devil and Michael the archangel about the body of Moses. But when that was going on, do you see what it says? Even Michael, the highest of the angels, the archangel of God, was not willing to assume authority over the devil. And rebuke him. Instead, he said, the Lord rebuke you. So it looks like even God's angels won't assume that authority and power over the devil and his forces. Check it out. It's part of your assignment. Check it out. Finally, then what is the truth for seeing victory in the battle? If, if, if those people aren't right, if, if I don't have authority and power over the devil and his forces in this battle, how am I ever going to see victory in the battle? Because it's hard. He's strong. He's powerful. He's good at what he does. How am I going to see victory in this spiritual warfare if I don't have the authority and the power over him and his forces? 
Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.6. Do not go beyond what is written. That's a great verse. You, you should remember that verse, 1 Corinthians 2.6. Paul says, do not go beyond what is written. You see, that's where we get all these lies that we start believing. People are saying things that go beyond what is written, and they sound good, so we, we believe them, right? So what does 1 John 4, 4 say? It says, in talking about Antichrist and Satan's uh, servants here on this earth, he says in verse 4, chapter 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who is greater than the one who is in the world? The one who is in you as a believer. Notice what John does not say. He does not say you are greater than the one who is in the world. He says greater is the one who is in you. Who is in me as a follower of Christ? The Spirit of God. God, by his spirit, is in me. And he's the creator. He created the angels. He's greater than the angels. Even evil ones, including the devil. And greater is he that is in me. Not greater am I, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And yet there are people who want to say, oh, no, you're greater. You've been given authority over the devil. It's your inherent right as a child of God because you have been raised with Jesus and are on the throne with him. I'm going to ask a couple of last us to help me with something here. Uh, Matthew, would you come up here and just stand here? You're not going to have to say a word, Okay. You're just going to stand here. Isn't he handsome? Okay. Let, let's say that I'm this, I'm this big guy. I'm bigger than you, right? And uh, I'm going to come against Matthew, okay? And uh, he's going to do what some Christians do. They think they can fight Satan on their own, but they have the power. And the authority to do that. So what I want you to do as I come against you, Matthew, is I want you to start trying to punch me. Okay? Start swinging those hands. Get your hands up. Come on. Try to punch me. Try to punch me. Okay? See, because he thinks he can beat me up. He thinks he's got the power. Okay? But he doesn't, does he? He won't succeed. Chris, come here. What if Dad is right there with Matthew when I come against Matthew. You know what I'm going to do? Because this guy can lay me down. He can beat me. I just know it, Chris. 
And may we never try it. You see, Matthew can try all he wants on his own strength. He can think he's greater than me and has power over me. But it won't work. He will not be able to conquer me, to have victory. But you see, if dad is always there, and it's dad's strength, and it's dad's power, I am going to go somewhere else. It's not because of some power Matthew has, some strength he has over me, but it's because of who's with him, who is standing with him. He has more power than I have. Yeah, right. right. So thank you, guys. Um, but John says basically that. Greater is he that is in you. God by his spirit greater than he that is in the world. We are not greater than he that is in the world. That is such a basic truth that we have to hang on to. It's God's power, his spirit's power, not ours. It's his authority, not ours. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Rob quoted this. So important. And, you know, a lot of times we read this. uh, We start with, in verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And we don't even read how the verse starts. Rob did. The verse starts, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It starts with submitting to God because he's the one that is greater than the devil and his forces. So we see victory when we submit to God and resist. Back to First Peter where we were before, chapter 5, just reading beyond what we read earlier. 1 Peter 5.8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. That's how you resist him. That's how you see victory. You just stand firm in the faith. In what's true. Stand firm in the faith. Ephesians Chapter 4, Ephesians 4, 27. Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold or do not give him an opportunity or do not give him a place. Um, Do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a chance to work in your life. What's the context here? Well, he's just been talking about anger. And not expressing your anger in a sinful way. Because if you do, you are giving Satan an opportunity to work. Then he goes on to talk about relationships. And our speech. And how we treat people. 
And he talks about forgiveness and unforgiveness. And he talks about kindness. And he just talks about relationships. And basically, in this context, he's saying, if those things aren't right in your life, you're giving the devil an opportunity. So we have people running around claiming they have authority and power over the devil and trying to show that power and authority when they should be working on their relationships and they should be working on their anger and they should be forgiving one another because that's when the devil has no opportunity. That's when we see victory. More so than we go around thinking we have authority and power to rebuke the devil and command the devil and bind the devil. You want to see victory? Practice these relationship principles. It will keep the devil from having an opportunity. And then, of course, Ephesians 6. Um, Starting in verse 10, we have that whole teaching about how to address our enemy in the battle with the spiritual forces. And right away in verse 10, it reminds us that the strength and the power are the Lord's, not ours. Right? Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. He has given us armor. He has given us things that can help us stand firm against the devil. And it's things like truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, assurance of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, prayer. Those are the instructions. Nowhere in there does it say, address the devil by saying, Claiming my full authority over you through my union with the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, no, you put on the armor God has given you. And you take up the sword. And you pray. That's how you stand firm. Check it out. We have a real enemy. There's a real battle going on. This isn't fantasy. Real enemy, real battle. I suggest to you, from my investigation, that the Bible does not teach we have been given authority and power over the devil and his forces, that we can rebuke, command, bind, and assume authority over him. But we have been given so much to help us see victory. Starting with the indwelling spirit who is greater than the enemy. And he is with us wherever we are. And then you add to that the armor, the word, all those things that God has given us to resist and to stand firm. We just have to use it. We just have to acknowledge the presence of the one who is greater and trust him and rely on him to help us 
see the victory. Let's pray. Our Father, uh, this battle is so real and some of us have even come today worn out from that battle. And then there are those who would tell us, you shouldn't be worn out. You have authority. You have power. Go ahead and rebuke. Assume that authority. Command. Bind. And some believing that have tried. And usually it makes it worse. Father, help us to grab on to the instructions that you clearly give us in your word. What you provided for us. Your presence. Your armor. All these helps. Where we indeed can see victory. And we can stand firm. And we can resist. Thank you for all that you've given us, including your presence in this battle. In Christ's name we thank you. Amen.